you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. Uh, so many reasons today, like this isn't hype, but like God is so good and He's so worthy and He's so good and He's so worthy and like there's we people get hyped up for football or they get hyped up for food, you know, like just things that like celebrate. But man, like the faithfulness of the Lord is worthy to be celebrated, and His faithfulness, despite our unfaithfulness, um, man. So anyways, uh, today I am rather excited and I'm really nervous. This is a weird teaching for me. I practice this about 75 hours on this sermon, way too much, uh, because I'm teaching today and preaching and uh, pastoring, and it's just a hodgepodge of craziness. Uh, I'm excited today. And uh, it's my birthday today. Some of y'all don't know, but it was on this day 23 years ago that I gave my life to Jesus. Um, I, I had heard about him, and I had been knowing about him and learning about him, but it was this day that I decided to put my faith in him. And uh, man, I'll tell you, from that moment on, the Lord changed the course of my life. And it has only been good from there. Without any... Um, anyways, uh, would you all do me a favor and get out your cell phones? Uh, this is uh, how we do attendance at our church. Thank you all for coming. So many of you beautiful outfits here today. I'm wearing my best outfit on today also. It's my birthday outfit. You know what I'm talking about? He's worthy, man. And so uh, I'm excited. And it may be my birthday, but really it's his birthday. You know what I'm talking about? The Bible says that he is the firstborn among the dead. And so uh, he was the first to be born today, and uh, I don't know. Anyways, this is how we do attendance. It means so much to us that we know that you're here. You can just come in under the radar, but we have several gifts for you uh, at the end of service. Uh, we have some people that want to meet you, but if you text in, it helps us to know who you are. If you would just text 777-3520. Uh, the key word today is come alive. Uh, that's, that's, that's what the sermon's about today, come alive. And so if you're online today watching, welcome. You can just put in online after come alive, and we'll know that you're watching. We love you guys and are so thankful for what Jesus is doing. Man, Jesus, this week, uh, so many wonderful things. I, I, I followed Jesus on the journey this week from Palm Sunday, realizing the thousands of people that declared Jesus as Lord that came out to celebrate his arrival into Jerusalem. And um, they, they sang songs, Hosanna, Hosanna, and it was just those same people a few days later that decided that he probably wasn't good enough to be their king, and so they decided, crucify him, crucify him, and uh, Jesus, uh, Friday, man, I, just good Friday, what a wonderful day it was, hard for my spirit to realize that the one that I love more than anyone would have been just, just so, his heart ripped out, I mean, just alone, wearing my sin, and uh, wearing my shame. And, and I don't know how much you know about Jesus. I didn't know a lot uh, 23 years ago when I came. But Jesus, he died uh, because he wanted me to be one with the Father. And, and so the, a sinless man who lived a perfect life came and stood in my place. And he laid his life down so that I could be forgiven. 
And it's that kind of mercy and that kind of tenderness that we actually know what definition of love is. Culture is trying to change the concept of what love looks like. But love laid his life down for us while we were still sinners. And so what, what makes this day so great is not that Jesus loved you. Not that he was faithful to you when you weren't faithful to him. Not that he died for you. But that he's the only one that lives again. Uh, and so, man, I'll tell you, the hope that we have in Jesus, hope is alive today in a powerful way. I can't wait to tell you all about it. Uh, Jesus um, said some really crazy things in his life. He was one of the greatest teachers that's ever lived. And so people of all different faiths and, and denominations and cultural uh, 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 psych- psychologists still use Jesus' teachings and principles to this day. And he was a fascinating teacher. He was also pretty crazy if he wasn't God. And he had said some things that really shake things up, you know. Jesus is embraced amongst a lot of people until you listen to everything he said. And if you think about it, it's hard to separate someone who's a great teacher if they're teaching things that are bonkers. And Jesus had this saying in John chapter 14, verse 6. I want you to see it because it's made a big difference in our church. And it says that, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I, I want you to just let that sit there for a second because if he is who we say he is, then uh, when he says no one comes to the Father except me, what he's saying is the Muslim faith isn't going to get you to, to heaven. What he's saying is the Buddhist faith isn't going to get you to heaven. Gandhi, good dude, isn't going to get you to heaven. He's saying Oprah and all the universalists, what you need to know is I am the only way. And so what we have to lean into are a couple hard thoughts today that I'm going to try to push uh, real hard all day is uh, there's a difference between Jesus and anyone else that had some really great faith. Is there's only one dude that's ever died and lives again who said, literally, they're going to kill me, and three days later, I'll rise. Let me just make sure you know, Michael Jackson was a great performer. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, Babe Ruth was a great baseball player. I don't, I don't know who you look up to today across the world. You know, Prince was a fantastic performer. But there's only one dude that ever died and lives again. And that kind of greatness is in a category of nothing else. So when he says, I'm the only one, we need to lean into the reality of what is he really saying. Hope is alive today because Jesus is alive. I, I believe in this. And I'm going to show you a scripture that's crazy, but listen to this. Hope, because Jesus lives, it means that healing today is possible. Because, because Jesus is alive, it, it means that, 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 that provision is possible. Because Jesus is alive today, it means that your sins can be washed. Because Jesus is alive today, it means that you can have oneness with God. Because Jesus is alive today, it means that marriages can be reconciled. Because hope is alive today, it it means that there can be reconciliation in relationships. Because he's alive, it means that somebody will walk with you through this season. That you will have direction. That you're not alone in your circumstances. Because he's alive, hope is alive. 
Now, I'm trying to be a little bold and a little arrogant today, but there's a scripture that says some things that's really crazy. I don't know where you are in your faith journey with Jesus, but I want to read to you a passage. It's kind of controversial, and it comes right from the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you'd go there with me, and uh, man, once I read this, I realized I didn't have nothing else to talk to you guys about today, but this one verse, and uh, let's see what happens here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, I'm going to read it to you. Would you all stand to your feet with me for the reading of God's Word? Paul, the apostle, said this, And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. Useless. And we apostles would be lying about God, for we said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection from the dead. And if there's no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only in this life, listen to this, then we should be more pitied than anyone in this world. I hate that. That bothers me. We should be pitied because we believe we have hope. But there's actually no hope at all. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave. Let's pray. Jesus... (laughs) Help. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. He said that you'd still be in your sins. And I don't know if you believe in sins, but what I believe is that the penalty of sin is death. And what the sin has multiple consequences in all of our lives. But when Jesus died on the cross for us, it's important that you understand that he untied the curse of your sin on your life. And I believe that he's unwrapping shame and all of the things that come with the penalty of sin because he is the victorious one. And he's the only one that's victorious. He's the only one that rose from the grave. And that's why we put our faith in him. Now, I want to talk a few things about the fact that I believe that Jesus rose from the grave. Well, that's great, Pastor Tim. I'm glad you believe. But that does kind of sound bonkers. And I believe that all roads lead to God. I don't know what it is you believe, but all I want you to know is that it's hard for you to believe in Jesus if Jesus said, I'm the way, if he's not the only way, then he's a liar. C.S. Lewis, who's one of the greatest thinkers in the world, he was a a, a revolutionary mind who died years ago. He said that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. If he rose from the grave then we should recognize that he is somebody unlike anyone else in this world, and it should change the way we live our lives. So maybe he was a lunatic. Maybe he was a liar. What I want you to know is that historically, through secular writings, there are multiple proof through writings throughout history that Jesus lived. In fact, more than five different writers that were not Christians wrote 
that Jesus did in fact live. Jesus Christ of Nazareth lived. And just affirming the scripture said that he died at the hands of Pontius Pilate, crucified on a cross. So we, we know from multiple historians whose writings are still around today that you can check this out, that Jesus and other Roman people saw the change in their culture was trying to also affirm that Pontius Pilate, a Roman governor, crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth on a cross. We know that he lived And we know that he died. The question is, did he rise again? Did he rise again? Because if he did, it should change some things in our lives. It gives us hope in a lot of different circumstances, y'all. Because if if he died and he rose, that means he did die and he did die for you. That means he loves you. That means that there's nothing he wouldn't do for you if he would die for you. All right, cool, I have, to, I have to start sermon here. One of the most important things that I know that I can see without using the Bible, because if you don't believe you know where you stand with Jesus, I can't use Scripture to prove Jesus. So just looking at history itself, one of the most crazy cultures in all of the world were the Jewish people, the Israelites. They were been around for thousands of years. They had been conquered and rose again and conquered and rised again and conquered and rise again they would be attacked by surrounding civilizations over and over again from the mobites to the persians to the assyrians to the babylonians like they were conquered so many times but one of the reasons why their culture survived is because they were one of the most stubborn groups of people on the planet don't take my word for it. I'm not trying to be rude. What I'm saying, the scriptures actually, the Jewish people would say this to them. The prophets would say, You people are stubborn. You people are stubborn. You people are stubborn. What is so wild about their faith is what made them so different than all of the other surrounding nations is they had traditions like no one else. They did things habitually all the time. They had they, the way that their education system was completely surrounded around their faith. Children from the age of five first memorized the entire Pentateuch. Some of us can't even read the book of Leviticus. And these kids were memorizing it. I mean, come on. They they, they had weekly gatherings every Saturday. They had had monthly gatherings. They had annual dinners and annual feasts and annual travelings where the whole family, they didn't go on vacation to Disney World. They went back to Jerusalem. They, They had a journey back and tell stories and sing songs over and over again. What made the Jewish faith different than all the other world and they couldn't get snuffed out didn't matter how bad and how dark things got was these people had deep traditions deep traditions and all of those traditions came to a crosshair at one moment in time I mean you would think that them being conquered would change things no 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 but when they, when, when, they, when they esteemed Jesus as Lord and put him on a donkey and celebrated him, everyone began to know this is the guy that's healing. This is the guy that's, that, 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 that's, that's multiplying food. This is the guy that's raising little kids from the dead. This is the guy who's touching people with leprosy. This guy is different. This is our king. And then when they realized that his kingdom wasn't the kind of kingdom that they had in mind because he was being mean to them, they didn't want him and they crucified him, 
All, all of Israel knew they were rejecting him. And all of Israel can see Calvary from the bottom of the hill. They knew when he was up there on the cross that that was him. And so the scripture says that when he rose from the dead and more than 500 people saw him and the way that he walked and still talked, the scripture says that he walked with disciples all the way to Emmaus. I mean, this guy who just had nails in his feet all of a sudden can walk perfectly. My wife just broke her leg. She's having a hard time getting around. You ever try walking on a wound? This guy's unlike anyone else. We know that the holes were still in his hands because Thomas put his fingers in it. This guy's got no pain in his body. He's a risen savior like no one else. And it shifted their entire culture. So much so that there was a revival. There was so much of an outbreak that it caused shifts and rifts in family dinners, in family discussions. Because no longer are we meeting on Saturdays. Now we're meeting on Sundays. Because Sunday's the day that Jesus rose from the day. There's, there, was, there was breakups in cultures because so many of them were becoming born again that it was changing everything. Dude, the gospel spread so far within 200 years that the emperor of Rome became born again. There was a crazy shift that happened among the Jews that never went back. That's the one reason why I can tell that something was different. Because they were the kind of people that they didn't change their culture. But there was a massive arising when they realized that the guy that they crucified lives again. One of the second reasons, one was a crazy uprising in their culture, defines to me as I look at history, it never happened before and it never happened again. There was just one moment in time where these people couldn't deny who, what happened. One of the second reason, things I can look back and realize Jesus did rise from the grave is what happened with the disciples. It's crazy. So when the disciples wrote the Bible, you need to know that the Bible wasn't written in one sitting. It was one letter written to these people, one letter written to these people, one letter written to these people, and hundreds of years later collect it and put into a canon. What's so funny about the way that the, the disciples would tell this story, I don't know if you know, but many secular writers throughout the world would ascribe this man that came to India and shook India upside down. His name was Thomas. And they would, would nail him to the ground. And they, would, they would spike him to the ground and behead him. This was the same Thomas that didn't believe that Jesus was alive and he had to put his fingers in his side and in his hands. They, they, there would be letters written about the men that came to Africa and the men that came to Rome and the men that, that came to Egypt and the way that they shook things upside down. You have to know it was a different gospel that they were preaching than ones you hear today. The disciples didn't open up 501c3s and create multi-million organ dollar organizations that they were prospering from. The gospel that they were told to say to go is go with nothing. You're not going to benefit from this. In fact, you're going to die to yourself. You're going to carry the cross. The gospel, they weren't prospering from this. In fact, it was going to cost them their life. I want you to understand that the disciples would go with fire throughout the nations and they would preach a gospel that was so crazy but was so weird about the way that they would live their lives is, is you would read about them in scripture. You would know that they died. You would know that these people had crazy faith because you know what's written about them? They're washed up fishermen. 
washed up tax collectors, people that couldn't excel in their own careers and had no other option but to follow Jesus. People that didn't make it in the Jewish school, they couldn't be a Jewish disciple, but they were good enough for Jesus. These are the same people that Jesus, you read through the Gospels, and the only people that Jesus rebuked were the disciples. These guys got no praise for anything that they did ever. He gave them nicknames like Sons of Thunder. And you would think that by getting the nickname Sons of Thunder that they were really good at praying or really good at worshiping or really good at preaching the gospel. No, no, no. He was calling them idiots when he called them Sons of Thunder. These people weren't praised for what they did. Yet, in everything that they did and all the mistakes that they made, something happened from when Jesus was crucified and they all were cowards. Now, if you decide to write a story or make up a story about someone who did great things, generally you make yourself the main event in that story. And you definitely don't write about yourself as if you were washed up, you were an idiot, or you were the one that Jesus made fun of. You make yourself out to be somewhat of a hero somewhere in that story. But what they wanted you to know is they were a hot mess until they saw what they've never seen in the entire, what Pharaoh couldn't do, what Moses couldn't do. They, they met a man who was terribly beaten and rose from the grave. Now, was his body stolen? Maybe. Maybe Jesus didn't rise from the grave. They were just stolen. And that's why they decided to preach the gospel with such conviction that when they found out that one of their best friends, Stephen, had just been stoned to death, not, not stoned like y'all know, they threw rocks at him until he died. They wanted to make sure that when this dude died because of his faith, if they made up the story that his body was stolen, it's at that point they're hitting the tap button and going back to another lifestyle. In fact, when they saw, they, they ran from the cross when Jesus was crucified. And when they found out that Jesus was dead and in the tomb, they all went back to fishing, the one thing they couldn't do to begin with. But it was when they realized that he rose from the grave, that something happened in their life, they realized they had to tell a story. They had to go with this story into different parts of the world, regardless of what it cost me. And they heard that Peter had just been crucified upside down. They heard that Andrew had just been beheaded. They heard that Philip had just been stoned to death. They heard, and you would think that after hearing of three, four, five, six of my friends that had just been murdered, that shut me up. But when you see something that has never happened in history that changes the way that you live and lets me know it doesn't matter what you do to my body. I know the one that's going to walk with me on the other side of the grave. This guy ain't like no one else you got to know why is hope alive because the hope in Jesus is the only thing that connects me to my family that says it doesn't matter what happens to your body. One day me and you are going to walk on streets of gold and we're going to get to see the only one who is the way, the truth, and the life and the only way we get to God because he's the only one that did it. You need to know that Muslims believe in Jesus. Gandhi believed in Jesus. But it's the reality of not whether you believe in Jesus. Do you believe in the power of his resurrection? Because he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord. You understand what I'm saying so far? Oh my gosh, I have to keep going. I've got to go faster. Praise the Lord. The third thing that makes me realize that Jesus is Lord is how many people were converted. 
Now, you need to know that Paul's whole mission in life, he was one of the, the Israelites who had dedicated his life to making sure that those traditions stayed intact. So when people, when there was an uprising and culture was shifting, they set out people to make sure that we're going to snuff those lights out on those people. We're going to silence them. But Paul saw the look on Stephen's face when he looked up to heaven and he was murdered. And he had to serve the same God. It wasn't just Paul that converted. One of the most special conversions in all of Scripture no one talks about. His name was James. And James wrote the book of James. Wonderful book for you to read. You know what's so special about James? James was one of the four little brothers of Jesus. One of the four little brothers of Jesus that didn't believe he was the Messiah. Wait, that's proof right there going the opposite direction. No, no, watch this. Jesus didn't perform his first miracle until he was 30 years old. You know what that means? That James saw Jesus his whole life and was annoyed to tar by that guy. Mr. Mr. never does anything wrong, ever, in his whole life. Studied the law perfectly. He was a perfect example all the time, and he would have been Mary's favorite. I mean, come on. You can't tell me that his brothers didn't hate him. But they didn't know he was the Lord. They didn't see that get a visitation by the angel. All they knew is that Jesus bothered him. And the scripture in the book of Matthew lets us know that these four brothers didn't believe in Jesus. In fact, we know right up until the point where Jesus was crucified on the cross that Jesus didn't send Mary home with his four little brothers. No, no, no. He found another disciple that would take care of her because he was a believer. He gave Mary a new son. His name was John. And said, John, will you take care of my mother and my brothers? But James did experience the resurrection of Jesus. And he was in the upper room the day that God poured his spirit out. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And he did go out and proclaim the gospel. And James did end up giving his life for the resurrected Savior. What I want you to know is that Jesus shook up all of the Jewish culture. Jesus shook up all of the disciples' lives. Jesus even shook up the unbelieving state of his own family and those that set out to persecute him. 23 years ago, I was trying New Age religions. I tried Buddhism. I tried everything. But one thing that I know that happened just like Paul and just like James, Jesus said in the book of Revelations, the resurrected Jesus said this, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. What I want you to know is that Jesus has been pursuing you your whole life. I don't know if you can look at history and see that, the res- that Jesus did exist and that he did die on a cross and that he did resurrect. But I want you to know that I can tell you that if he didn't, your faith is worthless. But if he did, and he did love you, and he did resurrect, and he did die for you, then he does love you then he is coming for you. Then he is coming back for you. And his desire is that you would be one with the Father. And that his desire is that he would wash your sin away. And that his desire is that he would be your Lord, your Savior, the lover of your soul, and that he will fight for you. 
I know that I know that I know that I have enough confidence in my best friend to know that he is fighting for you the same way he fought for me. And he's telling you, you must stop this life of sin. You must stop this life of sin. You must turn to me with all of your heart. You must follow me. My ways are better than your ways. I love you. I love you. I love you. And only you will recognize that voice in those divine appointments that keep happening in your life. And you don't understand why you keep coming to the end of your rope. And the only one you have to turn to is the Lord. It's by divine appointment. God loves you. So much so that he would die on a cross and give his life for you. Because you're worth it. And I want you to know that he is alive. And he's never going to stop pursuing you. And I don't know if you can look at history and see that he is alive. But I can tell you one thing I do know is that he's never going to stop coming after you. That's what love is. He pursues me when I am faithless. And if he'll do it for me, I know he'll do it for you. Because I'm way more of a moron than anyone in this room. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute? Worship team, would you come? I want you to know that I I don't know if it's today and I don't know if it's tomorrow, but I don't know what's going to happen to you when you leave this place. I believe in eternity. And I believe that all of you are going to live forever. And Jesus said that there is a heaven and there is a hell. Many faiths declare this to be truth as well. The difference is Jesus is the only one that died and lives to tell about it. And he's calling you out of darkness and into his eternal light. And what is important is that we understand today that we must leave a life of sin. He died to pay your price of sin. And he'll walk with you through that process. He is faithful and he is patient and he is kind. I know that you've got issues. Please know that I have issues. And I know of God's patience and his kindness. He loves you today. And I believe that there's a plan and a purpose that God has for your life. With every head bowed in this room, please, and every eye closed, I believe that Jesus, by divine appointment, is trying to tell you that I'm alive. You believe that he lived, you believe that he died, and you believe that he rose again. Will you turn from a life of sin and follow Jesus? Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to make massive changes in my life to follow Lord Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? God bless you. God bless you, 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 God bless you. There's a real moment happening in this room that's very beautiful. And someone celebrating my 23rd birthday, I identify with your heart. And I just want you to know, regardless, Jesus loves you. You're gonna struggle. I had read this week, can you look at me real quick all across this room? I had read this week 
that no one knows that they're slaves of sin until they, they, they try to get out of sin. The moment you realize that you need to stop doing what you're doing, watch me. Only the Holy Spirit can convict of sin. So when he starts saying, stop that, that's not condemnation. That's God moving in your life. And it's from this point on that you're going to decide, I'm trying, God. I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to put you first. I'm trying to put you over me, you over me, you over me. And you're going to see, oh, man, I'm, do- I'm doing this wrong. I'm doing this wrong, and it's going to hurt you. Some of you, you're going to get sick to your stomach. You're going to want to throw up. And all I can tell you is it's the most beautiful sickness in the world. And it starts with the cleansing flow of the Holy Spirit right now. If you raised your hand just now, will you just lift your hands just like this? We're going to say a prayer. I'm going to say it with you. You know what? The whole church today is going to pray this prayer, and we're just going to say, Jesus, move in our lives. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've sinned. I'm sorry that I made it about me. Teach me to follow you. Teach me to love you. Teach me to put you first. I want to walk in your ways. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you wash me in your blood? In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today or for the first time in a long time, I just... I want you to know how much I love you and how much we're rooting for you. There is a whole group of people right here that are praying for you right now and are cheering you on. In fact, the Bible also says that there is a great cloud of witnesses that's watching your life and cheering for the best in you. Hebrews chapter 12. And so what I just want to encourage you to do right now is that there is a connection card in front of you in your seat back pocket your name on it. Tell us what we're praying for. And if you made a decision today, check the box. We're going to pray this week for everyone making decisions. We're going to pray for you because we want to see you fulfill God's assignment for your life. I love you. And I mean that with everything in my, uh, I can say, I gave, I left my family in Pennsylvania to follow the call of God that brought me here. And it's been the greatest decision of my life. And I'm standing here because I'm fighting for you to fulfill that calling on your lives. This is a great church. We got a lot of super cool things happening throughout the week and you can download the app and check them all out. We're not doing any announcements today because the only announcement that matters, hope is alive and hope is here and you're going to fulfill the call of God on your life. And you're gonna get convicted this week and he's not gonna stop moving. But there are people in your life, as you go out for lunch today, or you eat, this isn't a holiday. This is his birthday, man. It's all about him. And he's worthy of our best praise and our, and our best worship. Amen? If y'all stand to your feet, I'm going to say a prayer for you. Father God, I thank you for this church. All across this world, all across this city, all across this town, people are coming to know you right now. And I'm thankful, God, for what you're doing right here. And I'm thankful for what you're doing in me. I do believe that you're alive. 
I believe that you died for me. I believe you paid the price for me. And I believe that you're alive for me. And I believe, God, that hope is alive. That you can move in my family. You can move in my life. You can move in my body. You can move in all of me, God. You have my life. Today, God, you're the best thing that I've ever understood. And I'm living for you. And all God's people said, amen. I love you guys. Happy Resurrection Day. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.